Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, the Lakers picked up a win that they needed, although, man, could you make it a little easier? I know it was the end of a road trip, but but overtime? Really? In this economy? The Lakers beat the Utah Jazz 135-133 to in overtime in Utah. It was snowing, and the Lakers were at the end of a long road trip and have a huge game ahead of them tomorrow. So I didn't feel great going into this one that the Lakers would would get it done in a way that they kind of sort of needed to. Um, the Lakers, I was hoping, would, you know, put Utah away early and get out of there with, with LeBron and AD playing a, a few fewer minutes that, than maybe um, they would normally. Instead, they play a few more minutes than they would normally as the game went into overtime after one of the dumbest collapses that I have really ever seen. And that's really saying something, given what we've watched over the last couple of years. Uh, look, I I know that the last thing you guys want to hear after a win is me hop on here and kind of whine and bitch and moan about the way the Lakers won a game. But look, the, the Clippers are going to be out for blood tomorrow. It's a game that they always get up for. The Lakers need tomorrow's win to maybe solidify a playoff spot, not just a play-in spot, which they wrapped up with their win tonight. Uh, the Lakers haven't played the Clippers particularly well in the past. So, you know, that those extra 20 minutes or so of overtime before they get to the buses and they get to the planes and and that little extra time uh, that, that, that is not rest when they get home, that stuff matters to an older team and, and a core that relies so heavily on LeBron and AD the way that they do. Uh, still, a win is a win, and there is still plenty of positives to take away from an albeit frustrating win. First and foremost, I want to start with Anthony Davis. And, you know, recently he's a player of the week, right, in the NBA after scoring three straight 38-plus uh, point efforts. The last few games, this one, he only only scores uh, 21 air quotes on that. But, you know, it's funny. It felt like kind of a meh game from him. Uh, yet, you look at the the fantasy box scores, and, and I know fantasy is no way to really judge the caliber of, of a game. But still, you look at it, and I think AD had like a top four or a top five fantasy effort last night because of the assists. And, you know, because of the rebounds, he had two blocks. He had those two steals. Um, shot 12 free throws. So yeah, 21 points, 14 boards, and was a plus four on the night, which it outpaces the the total that the Lakers won by. Uh, it was it was 
actually a better AD game than I think it's going to get credit for. His free throws do still terrify me in in clutch settings. He missed a few big ones there at the end of the game. Uh, obviously wasn't as efficient from the floor as he's been recently. But still, like one thing that I, I really want to try to bring attention to is is the way that he is passing out of double teams. Raj and I talked about it on the lounge that we recorded right after the game. But I, I do want to really bring attention to the way that he's handling double teams. And if he keeps this up, then the Lakers are actually going to get an advantage out of teams having to double him because of the way that he's scoring in the post. In years past, and I talked about this with Pete, I talked about this with Harrison, basically everybody that who, who has been on the pod over the last few years, um, I'm guessing at some point I have whined about the way that he handled uh, double teams where, and part of it I think was on the design of the offense around him where Vogel had a lot more people stationary and it meant that those passing lanes were a lot easier to cover for those players that were not doubling him. Those remaining three players could cover more space when the guys aren't moving around in Darvin Ham's offense. You're seeing a lot more dives to the basket. You're seeing a lot more cuts that are going through the middle of the defense and you're seeing a lot more floating uh, from around the perimeter from the guys who are out there who, when you float, right, um, you always see this in football, right, where they, they talk about receivers or tight ends finding the zone and sitting down in it or finding a passing lane and sitting down in it, creating that passing lane through that movement and, and, and making themselves more available to the quarterback. Passing out of a double team is no different from that, where a player who is on the perimeter, you see a the, the guy with the ball, and if you stand exactly where you are, your guy, the, the person who is guarding you, standing there and help defense, they're going to be able to, to continue to stand there and not have to worry about you know a, a new passing lane opening up. But if you float just a little bit off to the wing, um, that opens up a, pl- uh, a, a passing lane. We've seen LeBron dive to the basket a lot more, and that's going to further collapse the defense, and that is going to open up passing lanes either to the wing which will be a quick kick to the corner or just a wide open shot on the wing from those post passes um I, again I, I talked about this with Raj the Lakers did this a lot with Shaq in the triangle offense where uh he I think is a better passer than he's given credit for but a lot of that was by design he knew through years of getting doubled where that double was going to come from and if that double came from a certain angle, that was going to create a different passing angle that he that he knew to take advantage of. And it certainly helped with Shaq. He had those giant paws, and he was so strong that he just kind of flipped it like a, a, a ping pong ball, and the ball just zoomed off in the opposite direction. AD obviously has to put a little bit more into his passes, but through design and, importantly, through AD's own uh, commitment to getting better at it, I think, He's staying a lot more balanced on those passes and they're a lot more accurate and there's a lot more zip on them. And that allows an actual advantage to be created and hopefully taken advantage of. So yeah, that I think really helps him have better games than he was having earlier in the year. Uh, If he wasn't shooting particularly well from the field, uh, either he would stop shooting or that would just kind of define his night. But 
through this, I think, offensive design and through his own improvement uh, in terms of technique in throwing these passes, it allows him to have a greater impact on the game. Again, it's a game that the Lakers won by two in Utah where uh, the, the, the Jazz were playing without like half of their roster so that it's worth using that as a disclaimer and, and pointing that out. But it still is an immense improvement from earlier in the year where even in this kind of a scenario, uh, it, it, you know, against a lesser opponent, AD's impact on the game extends beyond what he was doing in terms of individual scoring. That's a huge development for the Lakers. It makes them a lot more dangerous because of the shooting that they've added. It was interesting. Uh, you look at LeBron over the course of the game, and yeah, there were dunks that he was making, and there were passes that he was making, and he had his shot going pretty well. So you were saying, like, yeah, it's a pretty good game. And then, like, the last two minutes happened, and he played a central role in the Lakers coughing away that, that, that lead. And you're saying, well, that's kind of a frustrating game. But then you look at the box score, and he finishes the night with 37 points, six assists, five boards, did have the five turnovers, um, did have a steal and a block, and was uh, a minus seven, which is tied for worst on the on the game, which is notable, and I'll get to that here in a second. Um, but yeah, he shoots 14 of 27 from the field, three of 10 from uh, three-point range, six of six from the line, and it's insane that anybody could have any gripe about that game from a 38-year-old. That's bananas, but here we are. So uh, I, I think this is one of those games where heading into it, and I think he kind of set a tone that the rest of the, the team kind of followed. But LeBron looked at that roster and looked at the guys on the court when he stepped onto it and said, oh, all right, I can kind of float through this one. And then realized, oh, shit, I have to set a tone and tried to do that when I think it was potentially a little too late. The Lakers went too far into the game playing with their food, and it was going to be a close game, basically, you know, a a wild shooting stretch notwithstanding. Uh, The Lakers didn't get that wild shooting stretch, and it did remain a close game from start to finish, or closer than it needed to be from start to finish, and eventually got to overtime because the Lakers just stopped playing way too early. And, and I think LeBron was a part of that. And I think that's where um, we don't have to worry about that kind of a thing in the playoffs because it's the playoffs and he's always going to be out there setting the right kind of tone. But we've seen this over the course of his time with the Lakers where there are going to be occasional games that he's going to try to do the absolute least amount to, to still walk away with a win. And in this case, it was almost too much kind of meandering around out there, not just from him, but from everybody else that he was surrounded by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
This was also another solid game from Rui Hachimura, uh, 17 points, 7 of 11 from the field, 1 of 4 from three-point range, which isn't really his thing anyway. Uh, Six boards, an assist, and finishes a plus four on the night, uh, which again, Lakers won by two. That is one of the the small dumb things that I kind of look for with this stat. Now, uh, I wrote actually for Substack about Rui Hachimura and how I think he has probably written his name in pen in the rotation uh, heading into the playoffs or play-in or whatever the situation might be moving forward. And you just kind of see it out there. Uh, He has really kind of focused defensively. He's always had the tools, right? He's 6'8", 230. Um, Not the most lateral quickness, but he's strong enough to kind of make up for it. Uh, he does jump when he has to, has actually pretty good timing when it comes to blocking shots. He really uses his body well uh, to block out and grab rebounds. He's a a solid wing, right? He's the exact kind of wing that I've been begging for the Lakers to, to try to bring in. And uh, as such, as we get into the play-in, he should be a big part of their, their playoff or play-in rotation. Uh, they are going to be facing elite wings in the Western Conference and then probably in the finals should they get there. He uh, you know, knows how to create his shot and uh, takes shots that are going to be made available in the playoffs, which is important, right? The ability from the mid-range, I think, becomes more important in the playoffs than, than um, over the course of the regular season where it's more of a math equation. I also think uh, in terms of his shot selection, it's not just the mid-range. He's really focused on taking that extra strong dribble to get all the way to the to the rim and into the paint where uh, he is actually among the Lakers' better rim finishers. Um, and he, you know, one thing that Stu Lance always talks about with people uh, finishing at the rim or, or attempting shots at the rim is you're not going to get a foul call if you're shying away from contact and in Rui's case, you never have to worry about him shying away from contact. Uh, more often than not, he's going to kind of toe that line of offensive foul versus forcing a defensive foul call. Um, and and yet he still also gets the ball up on the rim in those spots, which opens the door for for and ones and and makes it look like he's not actually grifting for fouls. So a really solid player who I really think has has improved over the course of his time with the Lakers. Um, I, I, like I wrote for for Substack, he flew under the radar because he was acquired well before the deadline, and he wasn't in the Russell Westbrook trade. And, you know, he went for Kendrick Nunn, who nobody really thought of much anyway, and, and also, you know, didn't go for a first-rounder. So not the kind of player who I would imagine people were were through, you know, through the roof or over the moon about acquiring but those wings those solid wings who know who they are offensively and and can get after it defensively that's the exact type of player that you need as many as you can get of come playoff time so as we get ready for those playoffs I do think that Rui uh needs to like it used to be as recently as a few weeks ago I wrote that I thought he was kind of a matchup dependent player but I think we're at the point now where Malik Beasley and Troy Brown are more of your matchup dependent players where if it's a smaller team or if you really need to go out there and see if you can put a flamethrower into the game and see if they get hot, 
that's where you use a Malik Beasley or that's where you use a Troy Brown. And Rui Hachimura solidifies more of an identity of we're going to get it, get after it defensively. We're going to try to execute in the half court as best as we can, depending on the combinations that we have out there. And I, do I think he, I, I wish we could see him like Ross mentioned this on the show. I wish we could have seen him more over the course of the season with, uh, Jared Vanderbilt as kind of a a wing tandem that, you know, kind of a bash brothers type of approach on the perimeter slash, you know, shallow interior. I would have liked to have seen that. That isn't what ham seems to prioritize ham. It, you know, if, as we've seen over the course of the year, Darvin ham would much rather go small. So as to have as many ball handlers out there as possible, um, he doesn't see Rui and Vanderbilt as a viable pairing at this stage of the season. It's kind of a bummer that that's the case because what that creates is one game Vanderbilt's going to get all of the minutes and one game Rui is going to get all of the minutes. And and I kind of think we're at a point here where those guys should get consistent minutes. Vanderbilt is the Lakers' best perimeter defender. Um, he's the guy who Ham puts on they're the other team's best scorer from right from the get-go and really tries to to throw that player off. Um, he's a he's a better perimeter defender, whereas Rui is is much more interested in kind of throwing his weight around on the inside. Uh, I think it's a good combination, but unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see much of it. And and yet, I even if we're not going to see much of that particular combination. Rui has played himself, and last night is another example of it, but the best example of it was was the Minnesota game where second half, Rui gets all of the opportunity there. Beasley doesn't play. I don't think Brown played in that game either. Uh, Rui goes out there, and the Lakers suffocate Minnesota and and you know win that one kind of running away. Um, I think that's kind of the, the, the approach that the Lakers should take generally, where you play your style, you play with your identity of bigger, stronger, faster, and you force other teams to try to adjust to you. Um, and and if you absolutely have to, if, if the situation calls for a flamethrower in there and you really think that, that Beasley can take advantage of the way that the uh, the other team is guarding against LeBron and, or, and against AD, then yeah, you, you, you throw that out there as your curveball or as your changeup or whatever. But generally speaking, you stick to the meat and the potatoes of, of, of Rui Hachimura and, and a, a bigger, stronger, faster identity that by the way, you know, I always feel like I, I have to remind people of this or the Lakers specifically, that's how y'all won a championship. So maybe, maybe stick with that. All right. So as we get ready for a huge game between the Lakers and the Clippers later tonight, uh, the Lakers sit at the seven spot. They are tied in the win column with the Golden State Warriors and the Clippers. Uh, they are one game up in the win col- or in the loss column. Sorry, um, they are even in the loss column with the Warriors and Clippers, and one game up in the loss column on the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, two on Minnesota and uh, a few, you know, four right now on the Oklahoma City Thunder, who lost last night to the Golden State Warriors. It is a spot where I think we're starting to see, all right, this is probably where the Lakers are going to stand here at the end of the season. Um, Either five, six, or seven, eight at the absolute worst. But they did solidify a spot in the play-in game here with that win last night. They could leapfrog into the actual playoffs, right, with a, a win against the Clippers later tonight. 
And that would be huge, you know, to avoid those one-game samples where anything can happen. That would be monstrous, especially if the Lakers can find a way to sit there in that sixth spot and go up against a an unexperienced Sacramento Kings team. That would be that would be a, a, quite the development. And given where the Lakers stood, you know, before the deadline, and given the uh, the direction of the the season at that point, or the direction that the season could have continued down. Um, being in this spot, you know, feels huge. So enjoy the success to this point. I think the Lakers, you know, have a huge opportunity in front of them. And hopefully D'Angelo Russell plays in this one. Um, if he doesn't, man, that's it's going to be a tough one to, to explain. But hopefully they have everybody healthy and they put that perfect record to the test uh, when they've had D'Lo, Reeves, LeBron, and A.D., um, that is that is a a group that you know can really be built on here moving forward, and you know given the opportunity ahead of them here tonight uh, against the Clippers, I'm sure that uh, MoneyLauderingArena.com or whatever it is uh, is going to be loud. Uh, I would hope in in favor of of the Lakers. It's been a long time since Lakers fans had this kind of a game uh, to to show up for and show out for. Uh, so take that, take advantage of this opportunity here and, and, and see if you can get into that six spot or, or, you know, see how high you can climb, uh, as, as you wrap up the, the last few games of this regular season. All right. That is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers lowdown podcast. Uh, make sure you guys tune in to the conversation I had with Raj on the heels of that overtime game. Really fun conversation there. I just love making Raj laugh. <laughs> Uh, we, we do though, like beyond the laughs and stuff like that, uh, we, we, we do talk a lot about AD. We talk a lot about LeBron and, and, uh, Rui and, and just the Lakers in general and, and the playoff picture as it, as it starts to take shape. So you're going to want to check that out. If you missed it, check out the conversation I had with Kirk yesterday, um, about the Mavericks and Kyrie for those who still might be interested in that experience. Um, and yeah. Get ready for a huge one tonight. This is going to be fun. Let's, let's buckle up and let's get that win. And until I talk to you guys again, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.